I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. So tonight, we want to sit and we originally want to sit and talk about at least two official Maniac movies and one movie that was labeled overseas as a maniac movie, which I'll count after watching. I'm going to fucking count it as a sequel to Maniac. It's close enough. It's goddamn. I mean, it's got Joe Spinell for Christ's sake. So I'm going to count it. I mean, it could almost be a prequel. It could. I think, you know, I, yeah, with his mother's alive in it. True. True. But his mother's much nicer in that one. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> the three movies we're going to talk about tonight are William Lustig's Maniac, the remake of Maniac, and then what is labeled Maniac 2, Love to Kill, overseas, here, released by Troma. It's re- released under the name The Last Horror Film. And the reason we're going to be talking about this tonight, I know we've sat and talked about the remake of Maniac a ton on Astro Radio Z. I've brought it up a ton. because. When I first saw it, the damn thing blew me the fuck away. I thought it was stylish. Uh, the soundtrack's really fucking good. It's It's got that synth wave, real darkness to it. Love it. And Maniac is a slime ball, gross classic. So when I was cruising around on the interwebs, which I'm happy to do when I have nothing going on, I stumbled across one of these uh, like Gorehound groups and I th- maybe it was a DVD collector group. I don't remember what it was, but somebody had shown or posted about this Maniac 2 Love to Kill DVD booklet that had been released in the last month or two. And I, w- I remember posting it to our group going, what the fuck is this? I The only Maniac 2 that I was aware of was the little, you know, the, the forgotten footage. That was on the Maniac uh, Blue Underground uh, Blu-ray. Had you seen that prior, Seth? Yeah, yeah, the the Mr. Robbie footage. Yeah, yeah, it was just like one little scene. Yeah, it's nothing. It's absolutely. I I wonder if that was just like I don't even. They weren't actually filming a movie with that, were they? I think they were. I think it was around the time of Joe Spinell's death. Hmm. Because it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. So uh, what used to happen back in the day, the, the overseas people would appropriate titles in order for um, them to take movies that they thought thematically could work, that they could sell. I mean, there's 500 Django movies, for Christ's sake, overseas, and none of them have to do with fucking Franco Nero. Um, they, they took this movie, the last horror film. And then retitled it and sold it as if it was an official uh, sequel to William Lustig's Man- uh, Maniac. And I, of course, upon seeing this was, I don't know if I had ever actually seen the last horror film before this. Because when I finally turned it on, it's on Amazon Prime for free and it's in HD and it looks wonderful. 
Um, I started watching going, holy fuck, I have never seen this movie. I've seen that cover a lot, though. Had you seen the last horror movie before this show? Yeah, um, I got a bootleg of it like 10 years ago, and uh, it had that artwork with the the clapboard and the head, Caroline Monroe's head yeah. in it. Yeah, and watched it shortly after Maniac, because I think that's how I discovered it as well. It was a pseudo-sequel, and fell in love with it pretty much instantly. It's very similar in ways, and I could see how they could market it as a sequel, because you had Joe Spinell again. Um, you had Carolyn Monroe. It, you got these two principal actors that were in the original Maniac. And Joe Spinell again plays a crazy person that goes around killing everybody. So I could see how they could do that. But anyways, long story short, we decided, well, let's sit and talk about these movies and do a show about Maniac proper because I mean, why not? We haven't done one yet here on Astro Radio Z. So Seth and I, as a tradition, delayed this show by like two and a half weeks. For some <laughs> reason, we can't seem to like pull ourselves together and uh, say, hey, let's do it this night. The night comes around. Oh, can we do it the next night? Can we do it the next night? How about next week? What about the week after that? <laughs> <laughs> So we watched this these movies like two weeks ago. Um, I don't think we're going to do I, I don't really want to do an in-depth like let's go through each of these movies type episode because I think there's a lot of people out there that do that. I would like to just talk about them all in general, how from Maniac one to the remake of Maniac, how things have kind of changed and how they all relate to each other and whatnot. So, Seth, before we get into this, how you doing? I'm doing great. Got over the flu that kept the uh, podcast from getting done on time, and uh, that's it. I'm good. I'm doing great. We we don't have li- <laughs> any lists to do. No list. This podcast. I'm feeling good. Thankfully, the funny thing is, I've watched a lot of quote unquote oscar worthy films in between this show <laughs> and watching these maniac movies because i think you and i watched these maniac movies the night before we originally were going to do this podcast and marathoned them yeah we didn't give ourselves too much leeway on it so no i watched all three of them in one night yeah, that's crazy and i really don't know if that's a good way to watch these movies i could see it a lot of stuff blending together i think the main thing is and i'm going to take for granted the vast majority of you listeners have seen maniac at least the original one and if you haven't uh seth you want to give the listeners a little quote unquote synopsis as to what maniac is yeah sure uh joe spinell plays frank zito a Damaged man living in New York City in the late 70s, 1980 era, uh, grimy New York City. And he's kind of damaged by the past with his mother, who was abusive. And he goes out uh, stalking women and scalping them to put on his mannequin collection that is in his apartment. And these mannequins appear to him to be real people. Correct. They, They haunt him in his apartment. He scalps these women so that he can keep them with him. For some reason, the hair is significant to him. 
it's not really explored <laughs> in the movie itself, but I think it's just a piece of them, a memento to keep. And the women in general are reduced to objects in this film. Hence the mannequins that he sees and he keeps all over his room. Okay. So we have the original maniac, which is about the crazy guy. Then we have the second movie, the last horror movie, which is Maniac 2, Love to Kill, which is, again, Joe Spinell plays this unhinged character who wants to be a movie director, an auteur. He lives with his elderly mother and is stalking Carolyn Monroe, who is this B-screen queen. And decides to follow them over to the Cannes Film Festival and film his magnum opus starring her. And while he's over there, proceeds to start killing every last person that's associated with her in very grisly ways and filming them. So he's still in that mode from the original Maniac where he's delusional. There's uh, obsessiveness going on. He obviously is just looking at most of the women as objects to be in his movie yet again. Um, yet there's a very meta angle to the entire thing. So it's a little different than the original Maniac. Then we have the remake of Maniac, which is essentially the same story of the original Maniac, only told in a first person perspective with Elijah Wood occasionally popping his face out in mirrors. Surprisingly, upon rewatching it this time, it's beat for beat almost the exact same thing as the original Maniac. Did you find that odd watching it again? Yeah, it didn't seem to be that straightforward of a remake the first time I watched it, but it's very much the same. Just presented differently wrapped up differently right well it doesn't have the scene with tom savini trying to get his slime on and then getting his head exploded with a goddamn shotgun that's not in there it's a great scene it's an amazing uh, tom savini is a real fucking piece of shit in most of these movies yeah well (laughs) (laughs) what are you trying to say here seth Hey, nothing. I'm just saying he has a reputation, but I've met the man. He was pleasant as hell. So (laughs) reputation be damned. (laughs) So I was I was really shocked because I I was with you. I think first time I saw a maniac, I was blown away by the remake and I maybe distanced myself enough to where it didn't feel exactly the same thing. Now, upon rewatching it, it was so beat for beat. And watching it directly after the original, I don't know if you felt this way. I did not like it as much this time. No, I didn't either. And that definitely played a role in it was how you know beat for beat it was. But also the um, the point of angle or point of view angles that it used with uh, what the hell's his name? You just said it, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, Frodo, yeah, uh, it it really stilted the whole movie for me on the mm-hmm. second watch. Yeah, everything felt wooden, and and I liked it the first time. I liked it a lot the the way they presented it, but this time it just felt like I don't know. Maybe I was more 
in tune and then, you know, adept to everything going on, but it just felt like it was forced. Everyone was trying to force a good performance instead of being able to be natural had it been a more traditional presentation. Right. Straightforward. Yeah, I think I agree with you totally because when you watch the original Maniac, that's a movie that's hinged upon amazing performances. Because Joe Spinell in that movie is literally unhinged. And the entire movie is carried by his strange, like, manic performance. Um, the only thing about that original movie that has never worked for me, which they solved in the remake, was the introduction of the photographer, the female photographer, which in the remake, they they bring this love interest into the film rather early on. And in the original re, uh, original maniac, she's basically a third act kind of plot device as his ultimate downfall. And it, it I, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So you, you have these two movies where maniac, obviously we just discussed, it was more of a beat for beat remake, but they just kind of switched things up and made it POV for some reason, which I think I agree with you at first. I was really taken by that, but now watching it, you realize that there's now you have no connection to the maniac. You are the maniac and you're just vicariously kind of like experiencing his life, which I thought was really disappointing <laughs> after watching <laughs> Joe Spinell. But um, so so you, one of the main differences w- was this love interest character where you think eventually Joe Spinell in the original one, he's he's actually kind of falling for this girl. And, and in the the remake, maybe he was falling. I don't know, man. I couldn't quite ca- grasp that character in the first one and it made a little more sense in the second one but in the third act all of a sudden joe spinell comes across this carriage in the middle of central park and this lady randomly snaps a picture of him and he catches her doing it and she runs off and leaves her camera bag and he follows her home and then all of a sudden he dresses up like he's some sophisticate <laughs> <laughs> convinces her that he's that he's a photographer or some talent agent yeah, like in his best silk shirt <laughs> we have just <laughs> literally watched this dude scalp so many fucking women and hookers oh. and all this shit and then all of a sudden he's dressed up in these shitty buttoned up silk shirts and trying in fucking aviator glasses and walking into photo suits <laughs> <laughs> that that fucking shit killed me. Like every single time I've seen this movie, I'm like, I, this is so bullshit. I don't believe this for a I, fucking second. I think it's great though because he you know, he's not a man concerned with fashion and the way he presents himself to people. So I could see that being the best he could pull together to try and get this woman. But she buys it. That's the <laughs> that's the questionable part. <laughs> I mean, we're to believe that this exotically beautiful woman who is a part of the the New York uh, art scene and is a fashion photographer, you know, somebody that I'm sure she has men lined up around the block gives 
two shits a time to this schlub that is so goddamn sweaty, you could probably smell him two blocks away. It's some goddamn shitty silk shirt. You're supposed to believe she's interested in this schlub. He showed up with a teddy bear. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be my angle from now on when I go on dates. I just wear the shittiest silk shirt I could find. Make sure I ran to the to the restaurant (laughs) so that I just have a glisten, just a glisten over me. (laughs) And <laughs> show up and then halfway through the day go, oh, here, I brought you something. And it's some shitty fucking uh, teddy bear that I got at the county fair. So so tell me, did does this last act completely derail Maniac for you? No, not at all. I mean, it's a questionable, you know, you got to you know, suspend your disbelief for it. But I think it still works in the, the sense of the film. I mean, she could be. You know, giving the guy time of day is a nice gesture and quickly has to deal with him in the cemetery crying over his dead mother. <laughs> see, see, the thing is, you're the way they present this toward the end of this movie. I mean, this guy, as we had said, he's been systematically offing random low lives around the, you know, the neighborhood that he lives in, the borough he lives in, b- between just random people that are parking attempting to fuck or hookers or just any woman that he fancies he ends up eventually strangling them and and stabbing them and then cutting off their hair their hair we're to believe that this beautiful woman all of a sudden is interested in this guy looks like he has sweated through three undershirts and she goes out on multiple dates with this guy and then New York's expensive. A free dinner is a free dinner. (laughs) He's taking her to the nicest corner Italian restaurants. Suck it down the spaghetti. (laughs) And and the funny thing is, at the date, he's sitting there all uncomfortable, looking and stirring into his food, not really talking to her, and she's still engaged with him. This last act has always thrown me for a loop. It's always been like, man... Can we get through this to get to the insane finale (laughs) of this movie, which is probably the best for me, always been one of the best parts of the movie. It's a huge gore piece where eventually all his mannequins spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this 30 plus year old movie. Which I can't believe anyone listening to my show hasn't seen maniac. uh, Where all the mannequins come back to life and tear him to shreds. It's a great gore piece. It is great. That whole like last 25 minutes of this weird side romance angle has always been like, man, this is some of the most forced bullshit I've ever seen in a movie in my entire life. So they take this portion and in the remake, they spread it out over the entire film where eventually after we get our first POV kill where this little punker chick takes him back after the most uncomfortable first date. Oh boy. Which I think most people would look at Elijah Wood and, and go, okay, this guy's on some heavy medication, obviously. He's spacing out and running away constantly. Uh most women that I know probably would have left him the the fucking tab for the for the bill and walked away when he went to the bathroom, but neither here nor there. She takes him back to his place and gives him head and he strangles her 
and scalps her, of course. Um, after that, all of a sudden, this beautiful woman snapping pictures, snaps pictures of his mannequins in his uh, shop window, and they strike up a relationship. Now, do you feel that they this was the one thing from the uh, original that they did well? Yeah, I mean, the the relationship struck up, I think, more naturally. She's He's not a bad-looking guy. A little strange in the movie, obviously, but he's not a Joe Spinell character where you look at him and go, no attractive woman is going to give him the time of day. But he's a decent-looking young guy. She's a good-looking young girl. I think the thing that makes it a little bit unbelievable is that she snaps pictures of mannequins for her art and he just so happens to like restore old mannequins we're talking about los angeles in this one like one of the biggest cities in the world and two mannequin freaks happen to fall over each other if we're going to get into like things that are unbelievable in these movies that one that one always kind of threw me for a loop like really you take pictures of mannequins and this guy just so happens to kill people to put the hair on mannequins. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in a room that's right off of the the front of his shop. I mean, he doesn't yeah. even remotely try to hide the fact <laughs> other than some plastic up over a door frame that if you walked five more feet, boy, you're going to see my murder collection. <laughs> yeah. If you think that's a bathroom, you're going to end up in there. Yes. You're going to stay with me for a while. Um. Yeah, that was one of the, the the many things about the remake that I did like. They they tried to take certain aspects of that original film that were kind of hokey and didn't quite work um, and tried to make sense of them. And for that, I really liked it. What I didn't like now upon rewatching it, obviously, back to back, which listeners, I don't recommend you doing that whatsoever. If you're going to watch these, give them their own time and let them breathe. Because this, this viewing experience almost ruined the remake of, of Maniac for me and uh, proved me wrong. And, and I know on many other podcasts of Astro Radio Z, I've declared that the remake of Maniac was the better movie. I take that back. <laughs> I take that back completely because as we had said before, I think the difference between the two movies other than the POV gimmick and that they they kind of make more sense of certain aspects of the original that just were clunky and didn't work. Unfortunately, because of the POV gimmick, you lose any connection or relation to Elijah Wood's maniac that you get with Joe Spinell. Joe Spinell, you believe he's a fucking crazy, unhinged piece of shit. Even though he has a lot of silk shirts. <laughs> he's a crazy, unhinged piece of, piece of shit. Elijah Wood just feels awkward. The entire movie. And I just, unfortunately, this time through, didn't buy it. And there was multiple instances where they tried to force certain things in like the scene where he stabs the girl in the parking lot and they got to recreate the original maniac poster. Yeah. I also thought, I thought that scene in the parking lot was sort of a out of character for the maniac. Mm -hmm. It just felt like it wouldn't, wasn't something how he would go about nope. killing somebody. Nope. 
he uh, he was the kind of pe- person that drew power from having someone alone with him you know it wasn't it wasn't about him finding prey mm-hmm. and having to make this huge scene which that was i mean that he's completely out of control there where he was in the other uh the original film he controlled the situation until his brain took over and the mania took over right but that was a very controlled that's how he could he could do this for so long is that he was so like controlling and manipulative in every aspect of the, his life he was able to lure these people these women and these people back into basically to trust him and then murder him where that scene in the remake is a stalk and kill scene where this woman is literally screaming in the subway in the train station or wherever it was down streets in parking lots in the most empty section of LA you've ever seen. (laughs) And then he kills her with this huge auditory sting. And that scene felt really out of place. Like overall, other than obviously we had talked that we both kind of felt like the, the remake of maniac uh, kind of fell apart upon this viewing. What was it about that remake that did work for you? Um, I think before I saw it, when I, they were talking about the remake and the trailer came out, I thought one of the big things that I was against it was that you're going to lose the seediness of old New York that I think played into the original almost as its own character. There was, you know, New York was not a place to go if you didn't belong there. And you could see something like Joe Spinell's character doing that in old New York, just running around, taking out hookers and taking out, you know, anybody, any woman that he wants to feel power over. I thought, you know, the 21st century, it was what 2012 it came out. It's the movie looks slick and shiny. I thought it was going to lose the feeling that uh, Bill Lustig was able to capture in uh, both the natural setting of New York and just how you know an exploitation filmmaker of that era made movies. I don't think the shininess of the production lost that feeling for me. It still felt like a grimy movie to me. And even on the second viewing, where some things fell apart, I still thought, man... I can believe that this is happening in this city and this city's kind of a dirty place. There's a lot of weird shit going on around the city in the backgrounds of scenes and just not being the, uh, the happy, you know, cleaned up city that uh, Manhattan has turned into. So I like that they were able to capture that vibe without having to fake it. Uh, so many movies do with, you know, digital dirt and grime and just crap like that. They didn't fall for that kind of gimmick. Mm-mm. No, it was a beautiful movie, actually. Like the cinematography yeah. is really tight. The lighting is so spot on. The soundtrack, if anything, I'm going to take away from the the remake of Maniac is that soundtrack. It is absolutely awesome. It is awesome. And it makes that movie and it, it makes it a movie of this time where, you know, We've we've watched all this shit now, like it follows and all this stuff where it's that throwback synth wave that is attempting to recreate something from the 80s. 
but it's something very modern at the same time. It works in this movie's favor because of the setting and because of the look. It works perfectly. I think as a stylistic film, it's good. It's really good. Unfortunately, that POV stuff is not going to age well. No. And it's not just because of this movie. It's I think because of subsequent movies that have done it now. This is it's just not aging well. I I think you know for for doing it, it was an interesting style choice, and they got they did well with it. But like you said, it's not aging well. It's it's you know the seams are showing in the performances and the dialogue, and like it's just not aging well. It, you said it. It's a gimmick. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. It's just a gimmick, and unfortunately, it doesn't allow Elijah Wood to be able to deliver a performance. I think he did the best he was able to do given the circumstances. I think most of the actors did the best they could, but it's like, you're not interacting with anybody. You're just sort of delivering lines to a camera. Yep. It's and pretending someone is there. It's just the, the natural connection and vibe is gone. Yep. It's very stilted. Yeah. Much of it. And I don't know if you watch, cause I have this on Blu-ray. Um, if you watch the deleted scenes and some of them have um, incomplete visual effects, because obviously they had to superimpose Elijah Wood in mirrors and stuff like that that weren't there and get rid of the camera that's, you know, following these people around and, and stuff like that. It's even more apparent. Uh, no, I don't think I've watched the deleted scenes, but I don't want to now. No, no. I mean, they're they're deleted for there's not much to them. Right. But it's unfortunate. I I think if this movie would have been shot in a traditional way and Elijah Wood was given a little more to chew on, now looking back at it, I would have probably liked it better. I think the first time I was caught by its style more than anything, because we've we've stated many times in the show, Seth, you and I, we're big Dario Argento fans. Oh, yeah. We're big fans of. Uh, you know, avant-garde, over-the-top Italian style. And this movie has a lot of it in it because it's so beautiful. And there's such striking, dynamic primary colors in a lot of it. Um, But unfortunately, as a gimmick, which horror movies every now and then, it's cool to see something try and push the boundaries and try to do something new. I just don't think I'm going to go back to this one ever again after this watch. Yes. Style over substance can work when the style is great, but when it's not that great, it's, it can definitely lead to one time being okay. And then kind of falling apart on repeated viewings like this one. Yeah. Well, let's talk before we move on to the last movie, the one that, I'm actually more excited to talk about <laughs> than either of these two. Um, the ending. How did you think that stacked up compared to the original Maniac? The whole mannequin slaughter at the very end. Oh, man. I'm forgetting how it did now. Uh, refresh me. Real. Is it the same thing? Yeah, it's essentially the same thing where, you know, he 
get he corners the the love interest at her apartment because she's uh has a friend that's been a little weird to her and somebody she knows is missing and he uh goes up there and she finds out you know he's a fucking lunatic and there's a big commotion and murder and blah 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 and he ends up back at his his place his mannequin shop and all the mannequins come back to life and start tearing him to shreds the way that in the original they quote unquote tore him to shreds and then instead of it just being them tearing his head off they rip his face off to expose that he's a mannequin underneath oh yeah that's right uh it, it was whatever it was fine you had to refresh me. I mean, that's that's again beat for beat. It ran together. I didn't even remember that until you told me, and it's only been two weeks. Yeah, this the symbolism w- was nice. That's about it. Yeah, I, I, there's not a whole lot to say with it. Overall, what are you gonna what are you gonna say? Original or remake? Are you gonna watch again? Uh, original, original all day. Original. The first time I watched the remake, I still don't mind the remake, but. Again, it's not aging well, and I don't see it getting any better on repeated viewings. I like what they did or tried to do, I guess. But uh, definitely, if you have to watch one, watch the yeah. original. Hands down, uh, it, that performance from Joe Spinell is just, it's the reason to watch the movie. It is absolutely the reason to watch it. I mean, obviously, other than seeing tom savini's head completely explode over some chick's face um (laughs) that's a great fucking sequence i love that that was an actual shotgun that they just pulled over in new york city and blasted into a car it's fucking unbelievable and then ran away unbelievable (laughs) what a ran away that whole movie is just so audacious it is so uncomfortable to watch all of it i mean that's there's one sequence in that original where Joe Spinell is just mind his own fucking business and walking down the street and these two prostitutes proposition him and the one basically talks him into going up and getting a room you know oh, for a hundred dollars I'll give you everything I'll, we'll go around the world baby I'll give you the ultimate the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate. in that whole sequence where they're up in that room and she's doing that dance and he just you know, the entire time he's just looking at her like, when am I going to scalp this? Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's, uncomfortable. He, It's just watching him lay there. You can tell he wants nothing to do with this woman dancing around naked. He just wants to scalp her. It's so, oh, God. <laughs> it is fucking uncomfortable. You know what I love, though? I love that. Uh. When they're booking that room, he plops down the extra five bucks for color TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the guy is just—he sees a pull, pull, the proprietor of this hotel, which obviously, you know, he knows this is a fuck hotel. It's a fuck shack, and, and he's just like trying to put surcharges on top of surcharges the entire fucking time. Here he is. Joe Spinell's looking. He's he's already got upsold to 100 bucks for the ultimate with this hooker. And now this guy is just like, OK, well, you want a room you want? Oh, what about one or two beds? Uh, color TV. <laughs> and he just keeps and pulling time, Spinell just pulls out another 20 bucks. 
<laughs> I suppose he didn't have to worry too much because he wasn't going to be paying for the hooker service. This is true. So he was saving money there, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> uh, so spend money to make money. <laughs> God, that's awful. Just awful, awful. So, anyways, for uh, Maniac in the remake. God, really disappointing that the the remake just didn't hold up for me. That was just like that was a soul crusher the other day, man. Because I was, I have for years now on this podcast declared that that was the better movie. I was dead fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> dead fucking wrong. So, anyways, let's move on to that that last gimmick, the the last horror film, which. Um, if you look it up on Google, folks, Maniac, you look up Maniac 2. Let's see. I'm on the Googles right now. And this is always good podcast and good radio to listen to somebody search for things on the Internet. <laughs> and whoever they got to do the artwork for this. <laughs> it is so janky as fuck. Have you looked at this? Uh, are we talking about the clapboard artwork? No, I'm not talking about the clapboard artwork. I'm also not talking about the um, the one where it's his face repeated in yellow with Carolyn Monroe uh, smack dab in the middle screaming. This is the one where it's essentially uh, a goodwill version of the maniac poster. And uh, in one hand, he's holding... Oh, my God. I did not notice this until now. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, He's holding a head of a blonde who's decapitated. The other hand, he's holding a Super 8 camera. And in the middle, he's packing some serious fucking heat. I mean, he's got a bulge that nearly goes down to his knee. Worse than the the original Maniac poster? uh, Seth, look... Bring this thing up on your. I'm trying to find this one, man. I'm trying to find it. (laughs) Just put in maniac. All I can find is the clapboard and the the head repeated. (laughs) Oh, is this for that like German release of it? Yeah, yeah. Look at that fucking. That is is a fucking dong. If I've ever seen a goddamn dog. It's mid thigh. Who, who went to town on that? <laughs> Can you imagine? Just think about how this this artwork was commissioned out. Seth. You so you get because because the thing is it's so improbable. I mean, we're gonna go in depth about this dong on the podcast, folks. I'm sorry, but this is what you came here for. Uh, so, like I said, it's the it's basically a total bootleg version of the original poster. Where his crotch yeah. is is genuinely flat, and then all of a sudden there's this huge bulge that starts out in the weirdest of places. <laughs> why is there a blood spot right on the head area? <laughs> I need mean, this as a one sheet just hanging above my head. 
if you had this as a wood sheet hanging above your bed, you would never get laid oh, ever Jesus, again in the history of your life. It's so ridiculous looking. It is janky as fuck. Oh. I urge all of you listeners to go and Google up Maniac 2 Love to Kill and have a good laugh because this poster, that fucking dong is out of control. <laughs> so fucking out of control so let's go let's get bit past the dong <laughs> let's go yeah. on to the movie itself now that's it folks uh, have a good night <laughs> yeah, tip your waitress um <laughs> so this movie as we had said before joe spinell is another crazy asshole who's attempting a film a movie about uh his favorite beast uh scream queen actress at the Cannes Film Festival, and he's killing people off one by one. Right off the bat, even though this is a movie, I believe, made by an American, this feels like so much Euro horror from that time. Just the way that it's shot, the way that it's cut, the sound, uh, just the pacing of it. Did this feel like that really shitty early 80s Bruno Mattei garbage to you? Yeah, where you almost feel like there's some uh, some clips missing, some frames missing from some of the edits. Yeah, you, you mean like yeah. maybe half of a scene? <laughs> yeah, it is uh, very jumpy, but to be fair, they were filming guerrilla style without any permission at Cannes, so absolutely, a lot of they, they had to get what they could get and get the fuck out of there. I loved it for that. And you can tell yeah. th- this whole movie has, even though it does oddly have a similar kind of surreal tone to it that the original Maniac does, it's far lighter in a lot of very weird ways. Um, mostly that style, like the beginning of it, we have um, he Joe Spinell's character in this film is a rabid horror film fan. And he's in all one thing that I I thought was really hilarious is that all of these critics were watching these super gross misogynistic slasher films and treating them like they were watching the Phantom Thread. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> every every award was being given out to some random horror film at Cannes that year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like they watched the original Maniac and said, "Hmm, hmm, very nuanced, very nice." <laughs> Oh, I know Cannibal Holocaust can be seen being screened at some point in the movie. Yeah, there's a poster in the background, I think. Very, very avant-garde. Mm, yes. Jared <laughs> <laughs> Dinodato's <laughs> the next Polanski. <laughs> oh, the lighting is just superb in this on this shot of this portrait <laughs> oh. getting sh- shredded to bits. <laughs> the natives portray themselves quite well. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they were method. <laughs> so th- right off the bat, that made this movie extremely fun to watch for my, for my buck. Um, I just, I guess maybe it's been a long time since I've watched some of that early eighties Euro horror. Cause I mean, there was a period in time where anchor Bay and a bunch of other companies were just releasing this stuff wholesale and people were gobbling it up which I was one of those people. I'm sure you were too, Seth. Oh yeah. And I had figured we had, I had watched all of it. <laughs> like I didn't think there was any more for me to explore. And this movie gave me a smile like, Holy shit. I missed one. 
because <laughs> there's there's something about the tone of those movies that were so nonsensical. Uh, the the soundtrack and the visual um, worked against each other in in a charming way that most movies that were serious movies or American movies just wouldn't do. And it gave those movies a certain kind of character that were so distinctive of that one period of time that once you once you see like one or two of them, you're like the moment you notice that in another movie, you're like, oh, yeah, this obviously was was shot in Italy around like 81 to 85 at some point. So uh, I loved that fucking aesthetic. Uh, what do you think? about how like the overall aesthetic of uh, maniac two or the last, what do we, what should we call this? I call, I mean, I call it the last horror film. That's what I've always known it by, but we're on a maniac show. You, your show, you call whatever the hell you want. Last horror film. We'll do that. So what do you, right. when you, when you go into it, the aesthetic of this movie compared to the rest of the stuff we watched tonight? Well, it, it fits both ways. It, I mean, it can fit right in with maniac. It's a grimy subject matter you know, makes you feel uncomfortable, but it's got a goofy light tone to it. So you can sit back and enjoy it and not need the, the shower or the break that you need after the original maniac. You can come out kind of smiling that that was a hokey, but not in a way that it ruins the movie. Yeah. yeah. And Joe Spinell, he, he's kind of all over the place in this movie. At, at times he does feel like, a character from the maniac movie and at other times it's almost like he's like this is a comedy and which is character it's a very weird tone that this movie because i think this movie isn't attempting to make a horror movie i think this is supposed to be some meta tongue-in-cheek comedy in some weird way well on the wiki page it describes it as a horror comedy film I've never really thought of it that way, but now that you like you've brought it up, it definitely is. I mean, especially his mother is pure comedic relief. Right. I mean, she's this she's that character that basically he calls her up and she just is so oblivious to everything. It's like, is she even in this movie? <laughs> she just wants him to come home and eat macaroni. That she's just an old <laughs> Italian mother to this guy that is potentially one step away from being a complete perverted asshole, you know, maniac killer following some woman that he claims is starring in his movie that doesn't exist halfway around the world to take pictures of her. But then he's also kind of likable about it because he has such passion and drive with it. And he's sort of silly about it. Sometimes it works both ways. I still like the original maniac where we couldn't believe that the sophisticated uh, fashion photographer would give this slimy asshole one second of her time. Why weren't anyone putting any security around these people at all? When you have this obvious creep running around with a camera, which I couldn't believe that he's just running her into crowds filming into clubs into strip clubs filming with a huge camera that camera is not small (laughs) (laughs) like that is big by 1980s standards that is a full camera that is that is definitely not the super eight camera that captain dong is carrying in the maniac (laughs) 2 
poster. Uh, he, needed a, he needed a hand for the Super 8 and a hand for the Super 15 on that one. <laughs> I mean, this is like a like a 16 millimeter camera he's running around with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no hiding the fact that this guy is attempting to film something. He's just walking into premieres and walking everywhere with this humongous camera. Nobody does anything about it, which lends to this air of that the whole film is is a work. I mean, obviously, by the end of it, uh, not to give the ending away, but the ending of it basically tells you the whole movie was a work. So, I mean, did you like how it turned into like some meta take on on horror fandom and people that make horror films? And are they really maniacs? And are they is there something wrong with them or are they just opportunists looking to express themselves? Did you like that whole angle? I did. I thought it was a refreshing change than what it could have just been. You know, it would have been fine if it ended up being. that. uh Joe Spinell is a crazy man trying to make a movie with an actress he's obsessed with that has no idea she's in his movie. And, you know, it ends with her dying or the movie is not complete because he dies or whatever typical horror movie ending they came up with. It would have been fine. The movie still would have been a fun watch. Right. But I think that that meta angle they took really was a refreshing change for it and pulled the whole thing together to be something that I think stands out 30, 35 years later now, uh, as you know, you just saw it. And I think, I don't think, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't think you would have thought it was as good if it was just a typical ending. No, not at all. I mean, let's be honest. The vast majority of the film is kind of redundant. It, it kind of goes through stalk and kill sequences, even though some of them are very stylish. And some of them are very oddly reminiscent of Maniac, where his previous kills start coming back to him in visions. And there's a whole sequence that's not unlike a music video where all of a sudden these all these zombies are lined up in the middle of a foggy street. And uh, he's he's filming this elaborate sequence that were. It was to be expected. It wasn't it didn't jump out at me as being that different from the original that I, I kind of figured where it was going to go. And then by the end of it, when it wraps itself up and it does this whole meta thing, you start thinking about the rest of the movie. You're like, Oh yeah, that really fucking makes sense. Like it, it, yeah. it really did tie the entire thing together and it made kind of the real, really weird surreal aspects of the film and the stylistic choices makes sense as opposed to me going man yeah this really does feel like it's missing entire reels <laughs> like i don't quite understand what's going on right now even though it is, there's a lot of stalk and kill sequences it did have weird film ticks to it that made sense by the end of the movie which i really liked so um this one compared to the other ones while it's similar in a lot of ways and i think maybe it was filmed as a, a comment to Maniac in some weird way, because it's hard to deny that there's a lot of similarities between these two movies. Just not just because Carolyn Mon- Monroe is in it and um, and Joe Spinell are in it, two principal actors from the original Maniac, but 
just there are sequences that feel like they're from the original and there's themes that are there from the original. I just wonder, and maybe I haven't read up on it too much. Do you know anything about, is this supposed to kind of be talking about the original maniac in a way, or do you think they were just kind of more talking about the general uh, slasher culture and gore culture of the early to mid eighties? I met Carolyn Monroe a few years ago and we talked about this a little bit. I commented that I really loved the last horror film and she said it was <clears throat> really fun to make. And we, you know, as much as you can chat at a convention, you know, a couple moments. But, sure. Um, I mean, I don't, she didn't write it, so I don't know how much is true, but she said it was more along the lines of just a comment on fandom and <clears throat> uh, obsession with stardom and things like that. So, and she said it, you know, it was well done that she was uh, proud to be in it, but as yeah three four minute conversation yeah so take that for what you will right well i'm surprised out of everything that she'd been in you you brought up the last horror film to her well i mean she didn't have any stella star pictures on her table so it was limited <laughs> no uh i just I, lo- I genuinely have loved this movie since the day i saw it so you know i had her sign a maniac poster and I talked about this and it was cool because she said doesn't get brought up very often. So I got a little bit of conversation out of her. And now I get to share that with the thousands and thousands of listeners of Astro Radius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's but, I mean, true. <laughs> but I mean, I mean from, coming from what she said, you know, it does have to do, you know, not poking fun at anybody or attacking horror fans or anything, but just a general comment on, you know, obsession towards stardom and fandom. Or even obsession towards kind of questionable content. And, and does that rub off on you on weird ways in weird ways or, or the people and the ending without giving it away is kind of a comment towards, are the people that make this stuff fucked up too? I, I, you could take this movie any number of ways, but at the end of the day, this movie is a hell of a lot of fun. If you're going to watch it in a big grouping, like we did with the two maniac films, it fits right in there, mm-hmm. but it's much lighter. Maybe this is a good one to watch at the end, kind of a palate cleanser. Because there are ridiculous kill sequences, some of which the gore is astoundingly great. There's a good decapitation sequence. There is one insanely great shitty dummy that gets thrown off of a castle top. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't think I was we were going to get away with me not talking about that (laughs) shitty dummy. Hey, man, I was leaving that to you. <laughs> that shitty duddy happened and I was fucking tears. <laughs> I was dead. It was so fucking glorious. Terrible. Just terrible. Yeah. I mean, there's some good. T- okay. Let's be pigs for a second. A lot of beautiful naked women in this movie. Oh, yeah. Just running around the beaches of Cannes. Oh. Now, that's one part that I kind of throws back to maniac is when all the i guess they were actresses or starlets from something at can and they were laughing at uh at joe spinell because they're in the the ocean or is it an ocean sea whatever they're in the water naked and 
telling him to come in and he's sitting there with a camera being a creep and they're laughing at him. Yeah, it looks like he's about to beat off. <laughs> in the in the grossest way. Yes. In one of those mid-thigh kind of ways. Yes. So I think that throws back a little bit to the, the seediness of uh, Maniac, but there is a lot of beautiful women not wearing anything around those beaches. Oh, I loved this movie. <laughs> I wish we got more out of the the fake rich cowboy guy. That guy was funny. <laughs> hey, just just act like you're rich and they'll love you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from Texas. All the characters in this movie were great. All the women were insanely hot. The gore is top shelf. It's funny. It's nonsensical. It's it's gross when it needs to be gross. It's surreal and dark when it needs to be dark and surreal. And at the end of the day, it actually had a point to it. So, I, man, out of all the movies, I had the most fun with this one. There's no oh, doubt about it. It's easily the most fun. It's definitely the most fun. It's not the best movie of them all. I mean, the original Maniac is a classic for a reason. That movie, you don't walk away from it not feeling completely disgusting. Yeah. You might not like it, but you're going to have a reaction to it. Maniac is one of those films that it's a classic for a reason, as I said before, and I think everyone needs to see it. But I really want to walk away from this episode telling everybody that if you haven't seen the last horror film, do so like immediately. It is super fucking fun and it's on Amazon Prime for free if you have the Amazon Prime membership in HD. It looks wonderful. It sounds wonderful. It's awesome. And there's a great shitty dummy in there. Unfortunately, on Amazon, you're not going to see the the mega schlong cover. That's not going to be on there. But you can always you got Google is your friend if you want to look at painted schlong. So anyways, um, any final thoughts on any of this? Seth? If you haven't seen Maniac, you probably already know you should. But like Derek said, out of this episode, take away the last horror film. It doesn't get talked about as nearly as much as Maniac, but it's a really great film that I think any horror fan needs to check out. Yeah, 100%. And uh, if you're going to watch the remake of Maniac, which is a fine film, I know we kind of poo-pooed on it most of this episode. It's a fine film. Do not watch it alongside Maniac. Don't do it. It's space it out. Yeah, space it out or just watch it by itself. If you if you haven't watched any of these, watch the original Maniac first. Obviously, because I think if you watch last horror film or the remake, you'll have an appreciation for those that you wouldn't have if you hadn't watched the original Maniac Um, So do that. Do that first. So anyways, that's it, Seth. We finally got this fucking episode out there and done. We talked about it. Oh, it tested us early on. That son of a bitch. Astro Radio Z. Sometimes Astro Radio Z does not come easy to me, folks. If you haven't noticed, uh, the shows have been getting less and less. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a in a in a period funk where I don't want to do any shows right now. That's how I get sometimes with this podcast. It's just a thing I do for fun every once in a while. I ain't feeling it. I ain't feeling it. Shit. Just how it is, dude. You guys don't like it. Do your own goddamn fucking podcast. Get off his back. 
Just can't name it Astro Radio Z. If you want to record episodes of Astro Radio Z and send them to me, and then I'll do an intro, and then I'll let your podcast run, um, contact me at Astro Radio Z Podcast at gmail.com, and I'll consider it. For the low price of nineteen ninety five, you can record my show for me. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Anyways, this is the portion of the show, folks, where my guest shamelessly shows the fuck out of you, Mr. Seth Pollen. Go ahead and sh- show for my audience. Hey guys, uh, you can find me at uh, Celluloid Terror on Blogspot and YouTube for all sorts of horror and cult film reviews. I'm also on facebook and twitter all that and i promise you if you see me at a convention i'm not this big of a dickhead yes uh yeah so (laughs) check me out nobody's gonna get that reference because i'll have cut all of that out for the patreon might have to redo that one (laughs) well folks thanks for listening to this extremely rambly weird i don't even know how i'm gonna put this together episode next episode We're going back to the American Ninja series with American Ninja 3 and 4. So until then, see you later. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please. Help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies. Zombies.